0: Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, the gotta let it go,
1: so <laughs> Fast a down, Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for August 24th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed, or you can find us on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time, a recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I am one of your hosts, it is your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joined alongside my co host and friend Case Low. In case we are kind of are in the dog days of summer and the way it's playing out, I think, at least in Dragon Gate, is not at all what we are anticipating or hoping for. I, I, am I off base in saying that?
0: No, Mike. Dragon Gate is certainly. In a lull period, and we are going to talk about that plenty on this podcast. There's a lot of things uh, that I, I think Drangate could learn from their history, and I'm afraid that they have not taken any of those lessons as we move into the latter half of 2021. But I do want to make a brief aside at the start of this podcast, because while Drangate is certainly not delivering the goods right now, there is a promotion based in America and I want to use this platform just for a second to talk about it. August 20th, 2021, in the United Center, Tony Khan did the unthinkable. I was in the building for it. Mike Spears, he booked Matt Seidel versus Pac. And boy, oh boy, was that a fun professional wrestling contest.
1: Who cares about other people maybe returning for the first time in seven years? Who cares about being the United Center? What we needed? Were two of the three founding Gaijin in the dragon system to face off her YouTube show. So I was really disappointed that Elevation last night did not have that on there. Of course, I watch every piece of AEW content because I'm a sick person. But yeah, man, I'm jealous that you got to see that live.
0: Yeah, I don't know when it's going to air because we're recording this on the 24th. And as of right now, AEW has not announced this match on their social media pages. And we're recording this a little bit earlier than we normally do. Normally we record when dark is going on, but I, I, I do not know if this will air. Uh, if this will be out by the time this podcast comes out. I do not know if it's going to air the first week of September or next week. I don't know what the plan is. It's not a four-star match. It's not spreadsheet worthy, but damn, was it fun to watch because it, you know, The dark tapings are are bizarre. It's kind of a fascinating piece of business to watch just how quickly they get people in and out of the ring. The amount of matches they are able to shoot in a in a two-hour time period is honestly remarkable. It's such a well-oiled machine. And most of the time on these dark matches, you're getting uh, you know, one wrestler that has the jobber entrance that has, you know, no uh, entrance music no lighting they just come basically through the side and then end up in the ring and then you know your star wrestler gets the the entrance music and whatnot we got one here where matt Sydal comes out and then Pac comes out and i was the most excited person in the united center at this moment i i will say uh because i this pertains to the dragon system i kind of want to break this down for just a second like Sydal's music hit and i was obviously very excited he's one of my favorite professional wrestlers of all time Not the biggest pop, which surprised me a little bit, just given who he's been working with recently, the amount of high-profile matches he's been in, the fact that he's had, you know, a WWE career and this and that. He's been around for forever. Didn't seem like Seidel really blew the roof off of the place. Pac came out. And what a monstrous pop that Pac got. Now, obviously, everything in comparison uh, fails when you look at what CM Punk did later that night. But considering the core AEW roster, Obviously, John Moxley got the biggest response. I feel like Pac was really in that upper echelon of responses, and then Mike. I don't know if this person wrestled on the last AEW show you went to or not, but the pop that Evil Uno got when he came out, I thought it Hulk. was Hulk, I thought it was Hulkamania in '84. <laughs> I could
1: not believe the sound the United Center made when he came out. It, it's something that I went to the Miami dynamite so right when they started back on tour it's insane how over the dark order is like and i was someone like this is something that i talk more about on the sister on our sister podcast but i was someone that's like all right we gotta see all of the dark order get really really hot and then we don't know what to really do with the dark order right now so let's see if it carries over from no crowds having crowds and then they just had a monster problem. It's like, all right, the Dark Order is here to stay. But it, it's a, it's somewhat surprising how over Pack is because, like, each time I see him live, and I've seen him now live in AEW several times, he is a lot more over than one would ever expect. And I mean, he's someone who only puts his best foot forward, so it shouldn't be such a big surprise. And it, it's just so cool to me, like the idea that, just as like a little minor like history lesson for folks who aren't too familiar with it. When Dragon Gate opened up to Gaijin, the first really big one was Jack Evans, and he was there. And then it was Matt Seidel and Pac. So the fact that they did this, and th- th- they've done a little subtle ways of honoring Masato Yoshino before, but th- the fact that like this is very much, like in my mind, like a tribute to Masato Yoshino match in a way, it- it's so cool to me. Uh, like I think it's awesome that they are thriving, and the Dragon System family members are doing well across the world.
0: Yeah, it's a super fun TV match. I think it would have gotten a really good response had it ended up on Dynamite or Rampage, but it's going to be buried on Dark, So, but be sure to go out of your way to watch it. It's the first time those two have ever wrestled each other in America. They've had two singles matches, both of which happened in the UK, one in 2007 on the same show where Doi and Shingo won the ROH tag belts, and then one in 2019 at a RevPro show. They also, the only other time they've been across the ring from one another, September 12th, 2007, on a next show MC Casey and Pac versus Lupin Matsutani and Matt Seidel. Boy, would I love to get my hands on that footage!
1: My main man, Lupin Matsutani. <laughs> I mean, he's only on the network in very few instances. Just throw up all the Nexes. Like, you, you know how much of a good time I would have if I'm bored and it's like, oh, is it Dragon Gate Nex with uh, MCKZ, Ape Kamada, and Lupin Matsutani? Come on, get out of here. That, that's like my dream right there.
0: Oh, if they ever unloaded the Nex archive, that would become, you know, what we were doing with drangit usa i mean we would just review all these next shows because there are four matches uh none of the matches or hardly any of the matches are over 10 minutes long but this is the earliest footage we have of so many guys and i yeah i would i would kill for some of this next footage i'm looking at a show right now next 27 jorge rivera versus tozawa and Masadi yoshino versus mc casey in the main event of a next show i am oh, all boy. about that life mike spears i am all
1: about that i'm just thinking about like skyda versus tozawa and what that possibly could be any stretch of the imagination you know i mean that's just wild stuff and this is like next was like a really kind of cool thing and only back may tv very erratically but it's kind of like for for those who are joining on now like the one future match that we get that we're starting to get every televised show that's what next was except it was just that it was originally in the sanctuary which was the building that dragon gate was based out of for. 14 years, and then now it is based or it was based in Kobe Lapis Hall, where they have done all their empty arena wrestling at. And it's what it kind of turned into Prime Zone, which you know, okay, I don't have to say too much about my love of Prime Zone. It is one of my favorite things that Dragon Gate's ever done.
0: I don't know if cherish is the right word, perhaps that's taking things too seriously, but it, it should be appreciated to some degree that we're getting these future matches on TV, because I think these have been a ton of fun. They were fun when they existed as network uploads only. And now that we see them in a a bigger picture as a part of a full show, I think these matches actually, I I think they're more enjoyable now because they really stand out and, you know, whatever, you know, the Ahashi brothers or, or Fujiwara or whoever else are doing in the dark match exhibition really stands out compared to your opening six man and then whatever else happens down on the card. So yeah, I would love to see that next uh, next library uploaded. And when it airs, go check out Matt Seidel versus Pac because that was that was a very very fun match.
1: Yeah, I was really disappointed to know. First, I I try not. It's not that I try to say spoiler free. I it, it's something that like if it's like Dynamite or Rampage that's hate, I will avoid spoilers like the plague. I just kind of like seeing how things kind of go out go off. Like I mean, it's also why I log off of social media when there's a Dragon Gate show. I'm trying to say unspoiled with, but. Pac versus Seidel, like that is, did did it get more than like eight minutes?
0: I I think it went right around eight, and a lot of okay. the match, like, I, so I was higher on it than some of the people in the building that I saw tweeting about it because a, a lot of the match was based around Pac interfering with Andrade, who was doing commentary. uh What is that his name? What's his name in AEW?
1: Andrade El Idolo.
0: That's what I thought. All right, yeah, which, look, I think he's going to be a dud, and I'm worried that he's not going to be able to get a good match out of Pac. A lot of the matches, those two bickering back and forth and going up the ramp, and you know, Pac is trying to yell at him from there, which I thought was super entertaining, Uh, but there's enough in-ring action this. In particular, you know, it was interesting watching Seidel in person. I've seen him wrestle twice now in person at Ring of Honor shows, where I'm obviously right up on the ring, and it's a much different environment than being in the, the third deck, at the united center there were a few wrestlers that i i thought just from my vantage point where i was sitting at this aew show thought their work was exposed a little bit i i thought they were working really loose i could tell strikes weren't connecting and there was no real oomph to anything they were doing Seidel, on the other hand jumped I I guess not off the screen, I guess maybe jumped off my eyeballs. I mean, I I thought everything (laughs) Seidel did looked so, so crisp in this match. And then you obviously have Pac who is to a degree, this era's Bret Hart, the excellence of execution. I've never really seen Pac make a mistake in the ring. Seidel was right there with him. It's, it's something that I would like to see going forward. I wish we would get some death triangle Seidel brother interactions. I hope we get more Matt Seidel on the show because you know we we talked about him with alan when we did our our greatest wrestler ever show regarding the dragon system guys was mm-hmm. we all love matt Sydal. we think he's the man we we we've loved most of his career but it seemed like his best days were behind him and i just at this point you know kind of chalked him up to being an aging veteran and someone that was nice to have around but not really someone that i would expect great matches from and then like a month later, he had the Kenny Omega match and then all the stuff he did with the Young Bucks and all the stuff he's been doing with Mike ever since. And he has just reminded me, shit, man, Matt Saito is really, really good at this. Like what an excellent professional wrestler.
1: Yeah, it, it's something that like he's done the age transition to like, yeah, he will fly still, but he's become a lot more of a grounded wrestler. And a, he's really kind of showed off all the... Uh, training he's done with his mat work and it's really exciting and it's a nice like second act for him and then mike sidell is having the best matches of his career and it's a whole lot of fun that trio that they have with Dante Don- <clears throat> me dante martin who's just a prolative is great and it's just nice to see people from the dragon system and i mean i guess of course the bucks but like it's nice to see people from the dragon system keep on and especially like seeing that the gaijin and others have kind of that there's very few promotions now, major promotions now that do not have someone in the dragons that is of the Dragon system representing themselves there and it's really cool
0: Seidel kind of has that dragon kid thing going for him where you know my favorite era of Dragon Kid's career is what he's been doing the last five, six, seven years where his body really slowed down, but it seemed like at the same time his mind accelerated in those fifteen years before 2013 2014 that he had been wrestling it seemed like all of that had been leading up to a point where now he had become just an incredibly smart and sensible wrestler and that's not to disregard the breathtaking innovation that both Seidel and Dragon Kid have provided but I really like this era where they can't do everything that they used to and they can't take all of those insane glorious but stupid bumps that they used to <laughs> and now yeah. they're working with you know drank kids working with his brain matt Seidel's working with his third eye i think those are of equal value and it's really entertaining to watch i think for both guys this is personally the most i've enjoyed them in their careers dragon kid again anywhere from 2014 onwards i guess you could say and then seidel once he's turned up this run in aew like I said, I think this has been the best work of his career, at least for what I value in wrestling.
1: Yeah, no, I've enjoyed this Matt Seidel even more so than Typhoon and New Hazard Matt Seidel. Like this is really kind of cool stuff. And I, I like seeing people like flush out their game in the way that he has. And it's just very nice to see. And yeah, no, Dragon Kid uh i guess we could use this a little bit as a transition dragon kid at least since kobe world has been the most consistent wrestler in dragon gate in my mind like he's very consistent and he's like realized or it's something that like maybe it's just standing out given the rest of the card that like he's really really good at taking the heat and getting beat down and that's kind of like along with the future stuff that's kind of been the stuff that's like spoken to me from these first shows after uh kobe world and are final
0: well can we talk about the sneaky great year that dragon kid has had because yeah, he, av- he obviously had he had the dead or alive cage match which you know was not the most spectacular cage match they've ever had but i think we both really liked it and then he had that stretch. This was all of May and June, pretty much, where he goes from the cage match to another singles match versus SP Kento, which I really liked that one. That was in the empty arena, King of Gate Show. The KZ match, the Ata match, which I thought was one of the more enjoyable Dragon Kid versus Ata matches, even if I don't think they have very good chemistry. And then he right. had the, the Susumu match in Sapporo, which I get the impression just from... Well, I, I, this will be rampant speculation. I, I I don't necessarily have anything to base this on other than the fact that I feel like I saw multiple wrestlers on the roster tweeting about this match and it was very quickly, the director's cut from this was uploaded to Dragon Gate Network. It seemed like they made an effort to get this match out there in a way that would that would last longer than just the seven-day viewing period that we, that we normally get for the Dragon Gate Network. So I get the impression that you know, we both liked Susumu versus Dragon Kid, but I think there are people out there that thought even more highly of that match than we did. And then ever since then, like, he fits into high end great. I love his role there. I thought he was excellent at Kobe World. Dragon Kid has been shoot great this year.
1: Yeah, it's just something that really has like spoken out to me. And I'm excited that Benkei and Dragon Kid has kind of tailed off after that challenge because that was a fun tag team as well at Speedstar Final.
0: Yeah, that was a really fun team, and that's one of those where I think if they would have won the belts there, we would have fully been on board with, okay, let's give these guys six months. You know, let's let's let these guys work a little bit. This is a very fun tag team. The nature of the beast, though, is that they ran into King Shimizu and Yokosuka, and I don't want to see those guys losing the belts anytime soon because I do think that is a special tag team that has a boatload of potential. But this goes back to kind of what I said about Dragon Kid uh, to reference that podcast again that we did with Alan, where we were talking about the best wrestlers in the Dragon System where you know if I if I'm making a list of the 100 greatest wrestlers of all time Dragon Kid is probably not on that first draft and then I probably put him on that second time but then I think well nice nah, Dragon Kid I don't really want to put him on there but no you ha- to me you have to 21 years now of consistency of innovation of uh, thoughtful storytelling and wrestling. I always pointed the Flamita match at Kobe world 2014, where we had seen Flamita do some batshit things already. He had that crazy match with Susumu Yokosuka that I think defined the rest of his career. I still think Flamita is getting booked off of him versus Susumu at dead or alive 2014. That match literally made his career,
1: but in Japan, go ahead. I, I mean, he's the monarch now. I, I, he's spooky. Spooky gets booked.
0: Did you see the... F- uh, I almost I almost swore oh, for no reason. The, the, the flame bump, fly the, to the floor? Yes! The, what the hell was that, Mike? That is the gnarliest bump I have seen this year, and they did it in Empty Arena Ring of Honor, which is incredibly depressing. But...
1: Yeah, yeah. through a table. Through a table.
0: So, uh, basically, a one-man Spanish fly off the top rope through a table, and they did it in front of no one. This was a, uh, Ray Horace and, of course, Demonic Flamita, which man, I would like to see that back in Japan. That would just, that would be great, because we made fun of Flamita for so long for just coasting in with the same character, and it's like, well, it's the middle of July, Flamita's gonna challenge for the Brave Gate belt. It would be great if he came back and was demonic Flamita and had to, had to change things up, but before there was an evil Flamita, there was a 19-year-old in Japan who was turning heads all across the world, and he had this very methodical, very smartly laid-out match with Dragon Kid at Kobe World 2014. It's on the network, and it was Not necessarily the insane, you know, we're going to trade Dragon Rana's and we're going to do, you know, something you guys have never seen before. It was really kind of just a very basic match with a very clear build and it ends with Flamita kicking out of Dragon Kid's biggest moves and then getting the win. And I do feel like for as fun as Flamita was before that and for as fun as he would be after that, that is the match that really established him as more than just a fun foreign wrestler in Japan. That really gave him some credibility and kind of thought, like, okay, you, you belong here now. You've proven you can be great against Susumu and you've proven you can be smart with Dragon Kid and, and you have a home here for as long as you'd like.
1: Yeah, and it's something where that match, I, I can't put Fulamita on the same tier as Pack or Ricochet or really Matt Seidel to be honest just because they were the first ones to do things and they were like really like deep in there but flamita i mean if we're talking about our mount rushmore of dragon system gaijin he has to be the fourth one up there with ricochet pack and uh, matt Seidel, if you ask me like he he really made his career off that match and it's cool to see him take covid and revitalize himself and you know getting turned to like a mini hechicero in a way <laughs> but it, the, the one thing i'll say is if he comes back he is not hitting 83 kilos by far <laughs> he's blown past the Bravegate division in more ways than one we're gonna get john hernandez on here a little insert of
0: john just doing like flamita's back report because that was that was the topic of conversation friday in the voices of wrestling slack was uh, the state of Flamita's back and perhaps some of these substances that he has been taking to to uh, I, uh, allegedly It's just amount, pizza.
1: It's just it's pizza.
0: Just, it's just a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, knee going on with demonic Flamita. You raise an interesting point, though. Mount Rushmore, Gate Gaijins, I think you have to put Pac, Ricochet, Seidel on there. We'll debate the order in just a second. But your fourth vote is going to Flamita over, say, Rich Swann.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I just think that Rich Swann didn't have the tenure really long enough, even though that Rich Swann arguably did his best work in Dragon Gate and really blossomed into the wrestler that folks can see today. I just look at Flamita, and he has the tenure between his stints there. He has the fact that, I mean... If Rich Swan shows back up, the company be like, "Oh yeah, I kind of remember that guy from like 2012." If Flamita shows up, it's like, "Okay, who is the Brave Gate champion?" Like, it's a joke that he always makes a Brave Gate challenge, but he kind of is the person that, at least for like the previous era of the Brave Gate. If we're going with the idea that Kaido, Ishida and suzumi Yokosuka completely changed the division going forward, he kind of embodies that. That that like. 2013 to 2019 era of the Bravegate division, so I, I think it has to be Flamita. What, what's your case for Rich Swan over Flamita?
0: There is no case for Swan. He was he was the first name I thought of to try to combat it. I was going to throw Swan at you. I was also going to throw Uha Nation at you as someone perhaps over Flamita.
1: Yeah, no, Uha is just. I think we had a lot of runway left for for Uha, even though he. Got a, even though he got Dreamgate shot, even though he had Twin and Triangle Gate Reigns, felt like that there was something more there before he left.
0: Yeah, I would I would co-sign those takes. I guess there's perhaps an argument to be made that Jason Lee could be in the conversation. But the thing with Jason was treated as a roster member from day one. Like, no, he's not a, a dojo graduate, but I've always considered Jason to be a part of that family from his debut onwards
1: yeah yeah i mean he's a special case i mean yeah he's not fluent in japanese and yeah he is not natively japanese but as you said i mean they pretty much adopted him after the hong kong shows and he's never gone back since like he was pretty much treated like right on as a roster member from like the point of them announcing him get joining maximum and him being announced as going full-time versus freelance like it was treated more as you would expect someone natively joining the company than you would see like dante martin coming aboard just for example
0: yeah because even compared to ricochet and Pac, who i think were respected off the bat and, and sidell to a degree they just embraced jason as like okay he's he's one of our own. at least that's the way it came across on camera i i would imagine it was very similar backstage but it seemed like jason was very warmly embraced from the start so yeah that leaves us Pac, ricochet uh flamita and who was the fourth I
1: still have Matt Seidel. Seidel. yeah, Seidel. Uh, yeah. I just gonna
0: think of Seidel, yeah. So what what is your ranking there? Go from from four to one. Who ultimately is the greatest Dragon Gate Gaijin of all time?
1: I think Seidel is four, just because, like, yes, he was the first uh, Gaijin singles champion in Dragon Gate history. He was, he was the first one to defend a Dragon Gate belt outside of Japan. But it's something that when you stack him up to really the top two, you, either there is a level of differentiation then flamita three the, the top two are either ricochet or pack i personally ricochet has a lot of firsts i mean he's the first ever gaijin king of gate winner he's the first ever gaijin open the dream gate champion but pack is just someone that like his dream gate run was just i don't want to say revolutionary but it was place setting and we're still dealing with that place setting whereas Ricochet Streamgate run. It was like a nice moment. You got the front page of the Observer website for the first time ever. But I think, and this might be my personal taste, I think I'm going Pack One, Ricochet Two, Flamita Three, Sidell Four. What's your ranking?
0: I would love to create tremendous radio here and argue with you about Ricochet over Pac and Seidel over Flamita. But unfortunately I do think you're right on the money, which is crazy. Cause when we began this conversation, I wasn't sure if I had Flamita in my top four at all. Now I feel comfortable having as my number three, which is remarkable, but he was over for an extended period of time. was a great champion. It was a numerous, numerous, numerous great matches. I, yeah, he is, he absolutely has to be on that list. And for as great as Ricochet was, one, he's annoying, and two, Pac had a better Dreamgate run, so I have to side with Pac here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean that, that 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 is a demerit that knocks him down to second place. I just I i just like and I think I've kind of made it myself known that I think pac is the guy that people don't think about when you're thinking about best wrestler of the last decade. You're not thinking about it as like one of the more brilliant people in ring, and there's no one in wrestling who has a bigger command of who they are as a wrestler, as a character than Pac does. And Ricochet is just complaining about being on main event, or he's asking us to be on main event. I forget what he's doing this week.
0: Well, he's asking us to watch main event, so he and Mustafa yeah. Ali, who's one of the best wrestlers in the world, can I don't know have a main event match. Good for them. I I uh, I, I look if Ricochet's happy, more power to him. But yeah, I do, think he, I do think he's a dork.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of goodwill that he managed to tweet away. Very, very quickly. So, uh, do, do you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we start talking about uh, Kyoto? No, no, I'm good. So support for Open the Voice Gate is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's uh, the, the United States' number one meal kit. And, you know, fall is busy. and recipes really save time. They'd be spending, meal planning, stuff like this. I mean, Case, okay, so I have both F1s coming back. The Miami Hurricanes are bailing against Alabama in a few weeks. I don't want to spend time thinking about what I'm going to be cooking and meal prepping for the week because HoloFresh does it for me. No, the
0: last thing I want during our national football league season that is upon us is to worry about what I'm going to be eating. I don't want to worry about delivery fees from, uh, services that are going to pick up fast, greasy food and then drop it off of my doorstep. But then as I get into the late game window, I'm just going to be feeling awful about myself. No, I would rather have HelloFresh and the tremendous options that they bring me because look, Mike, I had some HelloFresh dropped off earlier this week and All right. a lot of, Uh, A lot of people would think, wow, Case, I bet you and your missus uh, had a very good time, a fun date, cooking up this HelloFresh. Doesn't that just seem like something that you guys would enjoy? And in a way, that does seem like something I would enjoy. Now, of course, my heart was Bakatari sliding kicked two weeks ago, and I have been uh, in recovery mode ever since. And that's what I love about HelloFresh. I can eat away my feelings with their simple and easy to make meals. There's nothing I love more than cooking for one, whether it's sun-dried tomato spaghetti or the Caesar crunch chicken, and HelloFresh provides me with the tools and ingredients to do so.
1: Yeah, and case okay, so that's why HelloFresh offers 50 menu options and market items to choose from every week, from vegetarian meals and calorie smart choices to extra special gourmet options. There's something for everyone to enjoy with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity case i have some bizarre food allergies i am allergic of all things i'm allergic to cashews but i let the people at HelloFresh know that you know your your old pal mike spears you give me a cashew you better have an epipen nearby because that throat is closing up on you and you know what instead they, they gave me firecracker meatballs which let me tell you there's few things that I like more than a ball of meat on a bed of rice with some greens on it. And it was just a simple delight to make. I was able to get it just the way I needed it. Right amount of spice that I was not paying for it. And I was not thinking it was wussy. It was tremendous there. And if, you, if you're interested in this, go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW14 and use code VOW14, that's VOW14, for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping, that is HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-14, use code vow 14 for up to 14 meals, including free shipping, HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit.
0: You know, I think when they give Takuma Fujiwara a rebrand, they're going to call him Firecracker Meatball.
1: I mean, Fujiwara today, or this week in Kyoto, as we shift into that. August 21st, KBS Hall be up on the network till the 28th. The future match between Takuma Fujiwara and Takumi Hayakawa. This one might have been my favorite future match to date. Because Fujiwara, boy, does he have some fight to him. And you know how I like my fighty young guys?
0: Yeah, Fujiwara's a dog. I, I, I like this a lot. Again, these matches, it almost feels a little silly to get totally invested in them just because at the end of the day, they're five minute exhibition matches, but you had Takuma Fujiwara and Takumi Hayakawa here. Hayakawa was at the Cork and Hall show. He's a nice short spark plug type of wrestler. I I think he and Kamei could have a very similar trajectory. And then Fujiwara who, man, I, I just, I like his prospects a lot. I like the way this kid looks. I like the way he carries himself and I like the way he hits people really hard in the chest.
1: God, he was lighting up uh, Hayakawa really well. It was something. And yeah, no, I like Hayakawa. Hayakawa checks a lot of boxes with me, but it's something where it's kind of more difficult to see what he might do there. Whereas you put Takuma Fujiwara in there with, I think, almost all of the roster, and you give him four or five minutes, and I'm pretty confident right now he's ready to go.
0: Yeah, he feels... Uh, not not complete but he certainly feels farther along than i think anyone that we've seen in these future classes with uh, honestly maybe including the ahashi brothers
1: yeah i would say so the ahashi brothers get a little bit of a benefit and also a lot of stress being put on them given who their parents are but i think that fujiwara if you're looking for the stud the class of 2020 i think it's him just because like he puts it together in the ring. And if this isn't like grappling exhibitions now from him, he's like stringing together sequences. He's chopping the shit out of his, uh, his peers. And he has a nice body slam and good. His dropkick's great. Like this is, he has the fundamentals down. I'm willing to say.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I will say this. I'm really excited about the Ahashi brothers debut. And this show in particular, didn't necessarily make me excited about anything going forward i have i have some complaints that we'll get to but the ahashi brothers were not on this show the the more this weekend went on and the more i started thinking about just their potential and what they could possibly mean to Dragon Gate, i got very excited about their uh their their debuts coming up but that is a conversation for another time we have this kyoto show to talk about instead
1: Sadly, we do have this Kyoto show to talk about. As I mentioned, it'll be up on the network until the 8th. It's a fast show. The only sh- match that went above t- 11 minutes was the main event. Everything else was between 10 and 11 match or 10 and 11 minutes per match. And, Kay, should we go match by match, or do you just want to do big takeaways and we can run down the results?
0: Well, let me ask you this first. We can go match by match, but I want to ask you a big question up top, because I, I think there was... Uh, Something noticeable in the opening match, which was the Masquerade versus high-end trios match, Dragon Diet, Coach Minora, and Shun Skywalker, they defeated Dragon Kid, Kagatora, and Yamato. Mike, five years ago, we left Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival with Yamato beating Shingo, becoming the Open the Dreamgate champion, in what felt like just a perfect build... And what ended up fe- what ended up being the final chapter of an illustrious hot period in Dragon Gate and what followed was a very lengthy Yamato Open the Dream Gate run where it felt like his reign was not up to snuff and as a result, the rest of the company suffered for it and we're now five years later coming off of a very, if not hot period because of COVID, at the very least a very enjoyable period for consumers we end with Yamato winning the dream gate champion because of the Masao Yoshino retirement. It also feels like once again, we're completely changing the direction of the company and I'm not panicking just yet, but the Cork and Hall show didn't inspire confidence in me. The Fukuoka double shot didn't inspire confidence in me and this show did not inspire confidence in me. So, Mike, I'm not necessarily looking for a specific answer. I don't know if you need to have anything concrete here. But what lessons should Dragon Gate have learned from five years ago when it seemed like Yamato got the belt and everything cooled off because I'm now worried about it happening again?
1: Well, I mean, the number one lesson that they put in action is not to have Summer Adventure Tag League completely kill a hot title run because you can't have a title match because you're doing a tag league. So they've learned that. But the thing that they did not learn is you can't spin your wheels coming out of Kobe World. And it's something that in the past we had like the five-unit survival race, which was a good thing coming out of Kobe World, going into Dangerous Gate, where they basically had a league where the two bottom units would face off to see who would get disbanded. And this year, we have this four-unit exciting battle that's going on. There's no tangible reason to be invested into it. I mean that they, that they, they've been doing masquerade versus Red just like they've been doing the rest of the year, and I think that that's a thing that really kind of has hampered the promotion. And maybe some of it is like Ato is out for the first week, and then now KZ is on the IL with what's being described as like an ankle contusion r- right now. So it's very hard for them to make like big moves, but it just feels like that they're just very overwhelmingly spinning their tires right now, which was the exact thing that tanked uh, Yamato's 2016 Dreamgate run because he went Summer Venture Tag League to his first defense against Akira Tozawa at Dangerous Gate 2016. Okay, that sounds fine. But what happened right after that title match? Akira Tozawa says he's leaving the company in two months. So then the next two months were all about Akira Tozawa. There was no Dreamgate match at Gate Adjusting 2016 because it was time for Akira Tozawa's farewell match. So he didn't make his second defense until dead or or final gate and it just completely tanked it and you like you look what's going on here and yeah we do know that he has a defense coming up at dangerous gate but it's against possibly kai who we've seen a lot of that over the last 18 months uh versus Benkei, one of benke's how defenses was against yamato in 2019 and against Masaki mochizuki which that is a fresh matchup misaki mochizuki hasn't had a title match in several years there's only so many more years you could probably put him in a title matches but there's just two out of three options there, case. Feels like spinning the wheels, and that tells me that they didn't really learn much.
0: yeah, it's it's a bummer. I, I don't like this feeling that I have about the promotion i I thought the three way when they announced it, thought it was wacky, thought it was you know one of those let it play out situations, but we're now seeing the build to it and, and the closer it becomes to being a reality the more bothered I am by it. Again, we still have unanswered questions with Coach Minora and how he fits into the Streamgate picture, and I do think that's actively hurting the company because, again, the answer doesn't have to be Yamato versus Minora at Dangerous Gate, but there does need to be some explanation as to why he's not, at the very least in the title picture, why he's not in consideration. Is Yamato ducking him? Is Rio Does Rio Saito have a personal grudge against Menorah and is preventing him from getting a title match? Like, we do not know at this point. And that is frustrating to watch unfold because it seems like that is kind of my big question mark. But then again, you know, the Kai match is stale. I, I thought we had the perfect blow-off in the no-ropes match. I don't want to see them do it again under any stipulation. The Ben K match, which, you know, great, it's been two years since we've seen it. I'm sure it'll be great, but... It's two years after they just had this match in the same venue at the same show. And also, now they're in the same unit. So that seems bizarre. And then you have Yamato versus Mochizuki. And this is probably the least interesting way to get to Yamato versus Mochizuki, which is historically one of the best matchups this company has.
1: Yeah. So, and, and this is a promotion that very much like is dependent on how the units are and how the dreamgate situation is well the units are in this weird period where reds coming up on their third year anniversary that's incredibly long for a heel unit in dragon even though heel units last a little bit longer and then the dreamgate picture is just muddled so top down it's just not necessarily a fulfilling time and not really where i would be wanting to go after your biggest star in the company has retired And we've already started to see at least box office a little bit of a impact of that. But it's also hard to really judge given the last 20 months.
0: No, I really thought they made a mistake not doing a big angle on the Cork and Hall show this month. I really thought Doy would be involved in something huge. They didn't go in that direction. But now these shows feel like the same, you know, Road 2 shows that we saw in late March and early April, where we were either building up to Yoshino returning to the ring or building up to the cage match that had been booked for a very long time at that point, just nothing ever. The the ball has yet to get rolling this year. We're always just slowly pushing things along. And right when it seemed like we have, we, we had momentum coming out of world, they're now doing a hard reset, but they're doing, nothing exciting about it they're once again just starting from from ground zero and it's very frustrating to watch this company who was so hot in the second half of last year and consistently you know this is never their best period they always take a second to get going out of Kobe world but now I have history on my side to say oh wait Yamato's world champion and they seem to have a lack of direction at the Dreamgate scene this is very troubling
1: yeah and it's something that when Yamato brought back the almighty catchphrase and was acting a little bit heelish in his challenge, I was like, all right, we're starting to see Yamato with some edge here. And it just does not seem like that that's translating forward. And it's something where like, yeah, they still do have about a month until dangerous gate. There's a lot of TV between now and then, but I mean the brave gates doing their own thing, brave gate stuff, no genuine complaints about that, but like, Twin Gate Division, we really don't have much direction. There's no one building up steam there. Triangle Gate, I mean, Triangle Gate, they'll pick three people and they'll have that match at Dangerous Gate on the 20th. But I'm like, I'm looking at this. So they have Kobe Sambo Hall this weekend. We have Nara also this weekend. So that's a Nuruki Doi homecoming show. And then we have the full slate of a, another Corkin Hall show in Osaka, number two, before Dangerous Gate. So they have five shows leading up to one of their biggest shows of the year. And we're still, there's still not a whole lot of direction. And yes, maybe it is something that they get through Dangerous Gate, they get everyone back healthy again, especially like unit leaders, and they kind of figure things out from there. But then you have a long break until uh, Gate of Destiny and Gate of Origin. So, I mean, you you still have all of October to figure out. And it's like, look at this, whereas maybe it was something last year that the fact that they pretty much ran a condensed six-month uh calendar year for them starting in July. So like everything was happening hot and heavy. So they constantly had to start doing things there, but there was life there and there is no life over the last four shows. And especially no life in this KBS hall show, to be quite honest.
0: Well, KZ having an ankle injury shouldn't derail whatever momentum you have to get to a big five pay-per-view because I I don't think you can just get through dangerous gate. That needs to be, a monumental show that's one of your big shows of the year and as we talked about with jay a few weeks ago dead or alive did not hit big kobe world and speed star final pretty much unanimous praise but now you have to build on that both obviously in terms of the western fan base which we're a little bit more connected to but at home still in japan you have to build on that and, and now that h is back healthy we saw him on this show shun skywalker's back Yamano's obviously the champion A a KZ ankle injury can't mean, okay, guys, we're going to hold up and just see what happens here, because I have no reason to believe that KZ was going to be in any match of importance on Dangerous Gate anyways. He was a guy that needed to be cycled down and then brought back up. So it's frustrating.
1: Yeah, and it really is illustrated by this opening match, as you mentioned, Masquerade versus High End. It could have been Nora got the win on Kalkator with the gong in ten minutes and thirty two seconds, and we talked about him a little bit ago. My biggest takeaway here was Dragon Kid looked great, and we had Kid versus Dya stuff going on here, and that was really kind of exciting to see. They kind of kept them at arm's length during the Generation War for because of the fact that they're both dragons and they wanted to play it up later, I bet. But I that was kind of like my big takeaway from this opener was I liked seeing Dragon versus Dragon, and you know the finish. I mean, the finishing stretch was fine.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I, I found the booking of this show on paper to be pretty uninspired. And then I didn't think the in-ring was all that solid. So I'm sure there's a version of this match that is a four-and-a-half-star classic. I I'm sure these six guys could put that together, but I thought this was probably as... Laissez faire of a match as these six guys could have. It was, I, I thought, largely just existing through a Coach Minora Kagatora finishing stretch, which I thought was pretty enjoyable.
1: Yeah. And then we went into match two. Uh, Naruki, Doy and Jason Lee, former maximum partners, teaming up against BB Hulk and SB Kento. SB Kento got the win on Jason with the German suplex hold in 11 minutes and 47 seconds. This was my match of the show. It reminded me how much I enjoyed Doy and Lee as a tag team. The crowd got really really into it at uh, great sbk sections well, when jason lee and sbk were together it was great hulk was hulk and i thought this was the best match on the show i went three and a half on it
0: i, I was not as high on this as you but i still did really like this match i, I have no idea what the future holds for Doy. i'm constantly trying to figure that out in my own head I don't think his next step will involve Jason Lee, but I do hope at some point before Naruki Doi calls it quits, and we have no reason to believe he will anytime soon, but, you know, man's getting up there in age. I would like to see him and Jason Lee work together for a prolonged period of time again because this brought back Maximum flashbacks, and while that is an era of the promotion that was at times dire, Maximum was thoroughly and consistently entertaining, and by large part due to what Jason Lee and Naruki Doi did. So they picked up on that chemistry here, and as we continue to see, the SB Kento Jason Lee chemistry is real and it's spectacular. And I hope at some point that is leading to a, a Open the Brave Gate Championship match, whether it be at Dangerous Gate or at Gate of Destiny.
1: Yeah, no, it's something where ever since last week where I was like, I think SB Kento has got it now. I've been keeping a special look here and another guy not has not put a bad step forward. Uh, the the Jason and Doyce stuff reminded me, weren't they the tag team and? 2018 in the four-way Twin Gate match, wasn't it? Those two.
0: Ooh, that is that is such a great question. That sounds right. Let me let me confirm with you. Although perhaps not. Because, it might have well, been
1: 2019. Uh, I know cage match challenge.
0: Cage match linked me to the wrong Jason Lee. Give me give me one second. That is a very how? unfortunate situation. Uh, how dare
1: they? How dare uh, they? How
0: dare they? Uh, you. Hmm. Jason Lee's twin gate history is Shimizu and Aita versus Jason Lee and Kaito Ishida, uh, and then him winning the belts with Minora. So there was not a Naruki doi match in there that I'm aware of.
1: So I'm just inventing a match that I wanted to happen. Uh, I was thinking of, I looked this up in 20, 2019, I was thinking of the uh, uh, Big Biggie team versus Yamato and Kai versus Doi and Kaido Ishida. I was thinking about that match.
0: Oh, at uh, World, yeah, that match was that match was excellent. Do you remember this Aton and Shimizu versus Jason Lee and Kaito Ishida Twin Gate match?
1: <sighs> was that a Gate of Origin match? No,
0: this was at Fukuoka on a show that I... I weirdly remember because they did Speed Muscle versus Hyo and Akuda, and then KZ versus Mochizuki, which ended in a double pin. And I remember both of those, but I do not remember this Twin Gate match. Uh, Shibazu and Aitan yeah. versus Jason Lee and Kaito Ashida. So that no. is uh something for me to go back and rewatch.
1: Yeah, that is beyond me. Something that we did have to watch, Case, was six-man tag team match, Ultimate Dragon, Yazushi Kanda, and getting the call-up, Ho-Ho-Loon. Versus Ryo Saito, Yosuke San Maria, and Strong Machine J. Konda got pinned with a machine suplex in 10 minutes and 2 seconds. And very paid by the numbers in my opinion. Just kind of was exactly what you would expect, except we got like 3 minutes about Maria's butt, people getting their face shoved into it.
0: So, I have a comparison to make here, and I want to see if you understand where I'm going with this. So, fill in the blank, Mike. Strong Machine J... Jay and Shingo Takagi have this in common.
1: They are usually the one sane person in a match full of insane people.
0: <laughs> that is, you know what, points for that. I'll, I'll go Chris Hardwick style, give you points there. Um, not the answer I was looking for, though. <laughs> I, I think I have had a crossroads with Strong Machine J, and I'm really not sure what to do about it, because I have a feeling that Drangate doesn't know what to do about it. But... There is something, I'll throw the words jarring and off-putting out there, even if perhaps that's not as, as finite as I'd like to be. Perhaps those are a little too reactionary, but seeing Strong Machine J in meaningless matches like this is very strange to watch. He kind of has that Shingo syndrome, where it, you know, it ended up to a point where Shingo had to leave the promotion And it worked out for all parties, so more power to him. But Shingo couldn't be cycled down. He was a little too powerful and a little too protected. So Shingo in a match two looked ridiculous, even if for the sake of the card, he really didn't need to be in the main event scene. Strong Machine Jake kind of has that thing like... I can't tell if he's if he's over-pushed for his level as like a Triangle Gate champion or if he's under-pushed in matches like this, but he is not like, you know, a dragon kid who was able to work the opener here and then, you know, could work the main event next week. Strong Machine J, d- does this make sense where it's just, it feels like he almost doesn't fit in anywhere on the card?
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's going to be, I, I feel like he's going to have to compare to the Hashi brothers just because it seems like that they're slotted as, Oh, this is strong machine. Jay's kid. Oh, this is the first pair of wrestlers in Japan that have both wrestler fathers and mothers. Like, it just seems like that, like that kind of thing is like where I could see it going because strong machine. Jay does totally have the thing of like, he is just like, when I made that joke about the same person amongst a ring of crazy people, it it is that he's out of place. So I, I totally see where you're coming from with that. And it, kind of was on display here i mean not a whole lot of smj throughout this match i mean ultimo dragon probably did more than smj with this but strong machine j got in there after all the uh all the hijinks hit this the machine suplex on conda and got out of there and that's like my only memory of smj in this match because he was just so out of place and just kind of sequestered in a way
0: yeah, I feel like I did a poor job of explaining that, but you picked up the pieces there and, and made it somewhat understandable. I just don't – I don't know what to do with him in the booking. It is one of those deals where just from the business perspective, I'm very happy that he's involved with the promotion. But I remember feeling nervous when when the Strong Machines lost those Triangle Gate belts and that run ended because my my thought was, okay, what the hell do you do with him now? This was – such an established gimmick, so protected and so clear that now you know he's going to look awkward when he's not in the ring with the other strong machines and you know he had that triangle gate run last year with Ben K and Dragon Dia but that yeah, that was an awkward pairing team. Those were three guys that were literally thrown together. I don't think he particularly shined in that run. Then he got hurt. He's someone who they don't trust to have singles matches. I just I don't know what I don't know what you do with him. He's a, a very perplexing wrestler where, you know, when when we heard a few months ago that he was on the on the road to recovery and that he was coming back, I, I got kind of excited. Like, OK, Strong Machine Jay's is back in the fold. That's nice to see. And then he comes back and I'm immediately throwing my hands up and going, I don't know what this guy is. I don't I don't know if I need him on these cards.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's something where you just can't. Figure out that, and I feel like they're still trying to figure out this. And it's almost something that, like, yeah, you kind of have to keep him masked in a way, but I want to see what he is out without being like his father's son. And I feel like he's kind of cursed by that because they don't, they they, kind of feel like they place him that so you can't really put him into singles matches. And yes, he does have the bad wing that got fixed. And it's just very confounding the fact that Strong Machine J, his dad is, I wouldn't say a famous wrestler, but he was a wrestler during the peak of wrestling in Japan. And He's just adrift because that triangle gate team was so bizarre. It was like, oh yeah, we're all of the same generation. Like that was the team. It was like some of the times when like you would have a triangle gate team where it's like, oh yeah, it's uh, Maraha isapa and Naoki Tanazaki seeming with him as well. It just feels very, very bizarre in a way. And he he's someone that like I've still I've constantly grappled with strong machine J in this company just because he does not make sense but he works well enough and fits in so well. But just like overall, all of it, there's just a little bit of detachment there that I don't know how you fix it with him still being strong machine J if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. That's the thing. I, I almost wish when he came back this time around that, you know, we would have almost had the artist formally notice strong machine J and he, and he would have done something else. Because again, I see the value in him being the next generation of strong machine, but I don't, It's just, I think perhaps some of it is just the the isolationist tendencies of Dragon Gate where it's great that he's Strong Machine, you know, he's the next Strong Machine, but also he's in Dragon Gate, so who cares if he's the next Strong Machine, you know, they need to be focused on their units at this time and now, and he sticks out, and I'm not sure if it's in a good way or not.
1: Yeah, and that's something that, you know, there's a lot of people who stick out in this company that don't fit the typical Dragon Gate mold, and I think some of that is on display in the next match, but smj just does not necessarily fit the mold and now we're approaching year three of him in this company and it's just still trying to figuring it out there but uh do you have any other thoughts we'll move on to the second half of the card no i do not featuring a man who broke the mold kesuke akuda versus ut Akuda won with a rear naked choke in 10 minutes and 31 seconds uh this has my favorite Matt Worker in the ring in Dragon Gate UT versus Akuda doing a live knee work. It was very much my kind of thing, but it was not at the level of the match I had previous this year. It was a 10 minute singles match that was fun, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, once this concluded, I was pretty much done with this show because I, I loved their Dead or Alive match. Was that Dead or Alive that had that, that Brave Gate match?
1: It was in Nagoya. They, they love be people in their hometown. Yes,
0: that's right. That's right. Yeah. Dead or Alive. Then they had the King of Gate match, which was like two minutes and it was thrilling. And then they ha- they just had this, which was just there. Was very, very frustrating to watch because I, I, I thought this was the best match on the show. I gave it three and a quarter. But we've seen these guys have a four and a quarter star match. So this was just such a massive letdown.
1: Yeah, and like this was a match that really kind of just built up Okuda's knee injury that he started suffering Fukuoka. I mean, getting in there with uh, UT, who did like the, there was like this really nifty knee bar that he went for that Okuda was able to like roll him up and sack it, sack up. But instead of like kicking out, uh, UT moved to another version of the knee bar that was pretty fascinating. But this was just kind of there to serve the purpose of building up, okay, Keisuke Okuda, ever since facing SB Kento, people are tearing him apart. And that was like the only takeaway there, not the fact of, oh, wait, these are two of the Brave Division's like most exciting wrestlers. It was building the storyline here. And UT was just a happy participant in it.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted this to be better. I, I still feel good about Akuda's future prospects. UT has been very good since, since post Kobe World, but this was not a great match. And I, I think this show needed a great match. And unfortunately, we didn't get it here. And we certainly did not get it with what followed.
1: Yep, semi main event. This is one of Case's favorite match types. It's a Dreamgate preview match where people in the Dreamgate match that's coming up at Kobe, uh, not Kobe, at Cork and Hall deciding the next Dream Key holder with Benkei teaming with Misaki Mochizuki versus the third person in that match, Kai, teaming with Kaito Ishida. Uh, Kai got the win after Benke ate a high kick that he took right like a champ in 11 minutes and 45 seconds. The high kick was the high point of this match. Like it was a brutal looking. Like yeah, no, you're down for this match. Like oops, you oops, Mochi misfired there. But that was it.
0: Okay, but I'm not wrong in thinking this match type sucks, right? Like I I thought this was thoroughly uninteresting until the finish and i I, as mike established i never like these sorts of matches
1: (laughs) yeah it's something where and this is something i think we can really say in 2021 especially with like the cage the cage building with here sometimes they have done all the build necessary for a match and they still feel like that when they're on tour they need to have the match in front of every town which i get i i get the idea of Maybe they aren't people who subscribe to the network. Maybe they might not have caught up with this. So we want to show it them th- that here. But this match was just nothing. It just was nothing. This is a feud that I mean this is a title match build that just like, all right, you you just made the match Rio Saito. Let's have the match and get it over with. We don't need a second week. And we're probably gonna get more of this in, in Sambo Hall and Nara building up this thing when like it's built we don't need to go back to this thing this is unnecessary
0: yeah i i just i'm not into this story at all i wasn't into this match at all normally i like what ashita and mochizuki bring to the table but i didn't think they did anything special here this was this was teetering on actually being a bad match up until the finish which i thought saved it
1: yeah like it's did not escape the two-star range for me, which is really disappointing for a Dragon Gate semi-main event, especially involving really all four of these people. I was about to put Kai off in his own little thing, but involving all four of these people, Kai's had great matches in this company. He's had great matches, well, less than 60 days ago in this company. It just was an absolute disappointment there. Yeah, exactly. And then we went to the main event. This was part of the four-unit exciting battle. We don't know why they're having exciting battles, and this battle wasn't necessarily exciting. Natural Vibes versus R.E.D. Susumi Yokosuka, Ginky Horiguchi, and King Shimizu. Of Natural Vibes versus R.E.D., Ata, Diamante, and Hyo. King Shimizu got the win at the King Press on Hyo in 17 minutes and 21 seconds.
0: I was watching Eita pretty closely in this match just to see what he was capable of doing. Of course, he was uh, quarantined for a bit after he came in contact with Yohei of Pro Wrestling, Noah, who contracted COVID-19. Eita, uh, as far as I'm aware... Did not test positive, uh, but this was the first time he had wrestled on a Gate show since Kobe World and Speedstar Final. And, uh, you know, he, he seems back to normal. What, whatever precautionary measures they took seem to be worth it. He was fine. But unfortunately, this was a Gate main event match that I thought was mostly centered around Hyo, which means Diamante and Ata, the two two better workers in that trio, took the night off. And this was just a a disappointing way to end a disappointing
1: show. Case, this is how the shows have been lately. Eita reappeared in Fukuoka, and he was in the matches there, but we just did nothing there, and he didn't really do anything here. So, like, I assume he's okay, but he's just not doing anything. Yeah,
0: no, that's the thing. This was a match of a bunch of guys not doing anything, which is not exactly what I want from a Dragon Gate main event.
1: Yeah, and like Hio was like Hio was the MVP of this match because this match was all about Hio, and Hio has figured out his character and he plays to his character excellently. Diamante is fun when he goes up against like Shimizu Now that like we see him going up against bigger wrestlers, like how he faced off against Shun Skywalker a few weeks ago, and that was really exciting because I let Shun Skywalker fly. Like him being able to face the heavyweights is a lot of fun, but the rest of this match was just paint by numbers. This was a paint by numbers show
0: i think this is the weakest show they've had all year there's nothing worth watching on kyoto
1: yeah no i mean honestly you know what's most worth watching case Futures match that's it absolutely yeah absolutely well well, uh, that does it for kyoto again it'll be up on the network until the 28th it is like a two-hour show but you could probably find two hours worth of wrestling it's probably more worth your time this was just a show that they did uh They'll be back this weekend. They'll be in the friendly confines of Kobe Sambo Hall this Saturday, 6 o'clock local starting time. And then they have Naruki Doi's homecoming, which, I mean, it's always nice to see the people of Nara come out for their favorite wrestler. It, it's lost a little bit of the shine. Okay, so you, you remember what the, the old story was about Naruki Doi and his homecoming shows? No. So when Naruki Doi was a heel in Mad Blanky and Berserk, he, the heels in Dragon Gate are the only ones that do not participate in setting up the ring, doing concessions, doing like all the front of house stuff. The heels don't do that because they're heels. They keep in that. Naruki Doi as that refused to sign any autographs for like that four year period, except for when he went home to Nara, because he loved his hometown and his hometown still supported the rest of the country, it kind of became a thing where he's like, "The rest of the country can go to hell. I'm going back to Nara." And the the, the stories were that like everyone signed up at the at the uh, audit, at the uh, autograph table because they had to get Nuruki Doi's autograph, and there there was like a story, and I don't know if it's like truth that there were like Naruki Doy super fans going to the homecoming just because they wanted to get him to sign their mad blanky T-shirt because he refused to do it elsewhere. And that's, like, the notable thing about Nara to me. Also, they love deer. They love deer? The Nara deer. They have wild deer throughout Nara. It's, like, a big thing. Like, that's why Doi has, like, antlers as part of his ring gear. Like, n- like Nara is known as, like, the deer town and in Japan. Like, during COVID, it was, like, a big thing of, like, who are feeding the deer now that no one's outside and no tourists are coming to feed the Nara deer. So... At the very least, Case, out of this episode, you learned something about Naruki's hometown today.
0: Fascinating. That was so much more interesting than anything on that Kyoto show.
1: <laughs> I mean, hey, I would love to go meet a Nara deer and then feed it and then go to Naruki Doi's homecoming show and get an autograph from him when he's not signing autographs outside Nara. It's a great time. So, yeah, this, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Case, because I enjoy talking about it more than I did this Kyoto show.
0: Very much so. Post pandemic plans, Mike and I are going to go to Nara, but uh, unfortunately, we're a ways off from that. But Mike, that's all I've got this week.
1: Yep, that's all I got too. You could follow us at Open Voice I usually don't like crossing the streams here, but if you're someone who's interested in other Case Low thoughts, be sure to check out the Everything Elite Patreon, where Case and Aaron Bentley did an excellent hundred minutes, almost two hours about the return of CM Punk. And you might have sold me a little bit more on CM Punk case on that episode. Because you know I veer more negatively towards him than obviously you do or Aaron does. But excellent audio. People go check it out on the Everything Elite Patreon.
0: Very talented wrestler. I had a lot of fun doing that show with Aaron Bentley. So yes, uh, uh worth worth a monthly subscription to the Everything Elite Patreon just to hear me and Aaron Bentley talk about our our straight edge savior CM Punk
1: there you go i mean i i could not participate in that show as i'm not straight edge but having generations of straight edge people on that show i mean it just says chef's kiss chef's kiss <laughs> so, thank you mike <laughs> all right you could follow us at open voice gate you can follow case at underscore in your case you can follow me at Fujihea. that does it for open the voice gate we'll come back next week to talk about the kobe Samba hall show and maybe a little bit more about nara Deer. take care everyone